Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Ryan Alexander, and I serve as the lead pastor here. This is my wife, Jen. She serves as the lead lead pastor in our home. I don't know know why I said it. Um, And we're just really happy to be with you. It's good to be with you at all of our campuses. And if you join us live or later online, we believe the Lord led you here today. Uh, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. Let's give it up for our volunteer ushers right now. Thank you for volunteering, and uh, they're coming forward to receive our tithes and offerings. I know many of you give electronically, uh, and that's great. So as you get the bucket, maybe just wink at the person next to you, and that means you give electronically or something, and it means something, all right? So just hand and wink. Uh, but seriously, we appreciate uh, however you give. We're grateful for however you give, but, but the easiest way to give by far for you and for us is through online recurring giving. Uh, it's, it is easy for you. We've made it easy for you to do that, but it's also easier for us because uh, it creates some predictability and um, and it creates some efficiencies for us that allow us administratively that allow us uh, to most effectively uh, fulfill our vision to multiply the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus. So if this is your church home, uh, we would invite you to strongly consider giving through online recurring giving, especially in the summer as people are coming and going. Uh, we'd appreciate that. All right, we are kicking off our summer series called Fruit of the Spirit which I think is a fitting topic for us to be chewing on right now at Hosanna. See what I did there? A couple of you got that. You're fast, you're sharp, chewing on this. And let's talk about the spirit part for a second because if you've been around Hosanna, uh, you're gonna gonna understand what I'm saying here. I have a sense for this. There's a, a fresh wind of the spirit blowing through this place. And you feel that, you sense that, you catch that. Uh, and, it, and it's been true over these last months and maybe over the last year. And, and so the spirit is moving. What does the spirit do? A lot of things. In fact, just about everything when it comes to the Christian life. In fact, Martin Luther, the, the 16th century Protestant reformer, he said that, that I cannot, by my own power and reason, strength and reason, come to believe even without the Holy Spirit. It's only by the Holy Spirit that we can believe and then everything else of the Christian life requires the presence, the work of the Holy Spirit. So then what does the Holy Spirit do? All kinds of things and many things that the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. Supernatural, amazing, spectacular, mind-blowing, earth-shattering things that the Holy Spirit, God through the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. But, but we need to make sure that we don't just jump right to the through us part. You know, the gifts and the healings and the miracles and, and all those things, those are all part of it. But I think it's, it's, it's important to stop first and ask, what does the Holy Spirit want to do in us? Even before, what does the Holy Spirit want to do through us? How does God want to shape our character and our hearts and our internal selves, our inner selves, uh, so that he can most effectively do those things through us? So in this series, we're going to start with, what does the Holy Spirit do in us? Again, what does the Holy Spirit do in us? Faith gives us faith, makes faith possible. And then the Holy Spirit produces in us what we call the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. What's your favorite fruit? Just think about that for a second. What's your favorite fruit? All kinds of fruit that we would think about. Bananas, apples, kiwis, pears. But, But it's a different kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. And we're gonna read these as we... As we kick off this series, we're going to read these together, these nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit, and they're going to be up on the screen. They're also on your program, the highlighted words in in brown there. Let's read them together. The fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
self-control. Well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Fruit of the Spirit. You look at the original language, you find that it's not nine different fruit, it's one fruit of the Spirit, nine parts of the Spirit. So over the next nine weeks, this is the kickoff week, the next nine weeks after this, we're going to We're going to look at each part of the fruit of the Spirit, each of those words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We're going to chew on and consume the fruit of the Spirit. And and, and here's a thought. What if? Would you say that with me? What if? What if? What if? There was more of that kind of fruit in our church. What if there was more of that kind of fruit in our homes, our families? What if there was... more of that kind of fruit in our, in our lives and in our, in our hearts. And that's where we're going in this, with this series. And, and I believe that if there is more of that fruit, and there will be at the end of this series, it'll change, the, it'll change our lives and it'll change the world around us. Because I believe we're living in a world right now, especially, that needs more of this fruit. Amen? So we're gonna get into that in that passage in Galatians in just a moment. Jen's gonna take us there. But first, some news I wanna share with you uh, is that four weeks ago, Jen Alexander was officially commissioned as a pastor at Hosanna. And I think that is something to celebrate. We want to share that with you as a church family. It was a special uh, ceremony that we had on a Saturday morning. There were a number of uh, uh, prayer ministers there and other family members and a, and a few friends there. And you can see the, some pictures from the ceremony. Pastor Steve Hudson, our executive pastor, and Pastor Julia Holtz, they oversaw this ceremony. I had the privilege after the laying on of hands of anointing Jen uh, as a pastor here at Hosanna, and that was such, such a privilege. Some of you are thinking, well, I thought she already was. Hasn't she always been? And, and I would say she's always had the gifts, and, and that calling has been on her life. She went to seminary about 15 years ago and, and has the theological training, and she's been functioning as a pastor, but the timing just right in our lives, and she's gonna talk about that um, from one angle, but I wanna say why I thought it was right in our lives, um, and there are lots of things I could talk about, but the timing has been right for this reason. Over the last couple of years, there's been this inspiring depth that you've gone to in a couple of areas. Uh, humility, this greater and greater, even greater depths of humility. It's been so inspiring for me, and it's been shaping me. And then uh, deeper levels of authenticity uh, with your faith and relationships and our relationship and your authentic passion to reach people with the love of God, the boundless love of God in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I just bless all of that in you, and it's such an honor, truly, to be your husband, mm-hmm. and an honor. It feels like we're on a date all of a sudden, right? This is wonderful. Uh, but it's an honor uh, to introduce to you Pastor Jen Alexander. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, church. That means a lot to me. I really do feel the wind of your encouragement in my sails. Thank you so much. And I hope that you have a sense, you know, this is such a special place. There really is a sincere wind of the spirit that blows among us here at Hosanna. And I have just been so blessed to be carried by that and to be carried in, into this next season of carrying this title of pastor. Um, Ryan mentioned that I did, I am educated and, and so I have the seminary background and I've been working in churches now for at least 20 years and so certainly had the experience. But I would just candidly tell you that the, the mantle of pastor, the title of pastor is one 
one that I just have approached with a lot of reverence. It was something that I felt like I should approach slowly and just allow, to, allow the Lord to unfold that in my life, um, which has been happening over the last year and a half or so. But I would just love to share with you a, a window um, into the experience, particularly how the Holy Spirit has worked inside of this experience. Because I had a hang up about taking on the title of pastor because of a conversation that I'd had with one of our sons. We have three boys. And about three years ago, I was driving the car and out of nowhere, one of our, one of our sons spoke up and he said, hey mom, you're not a pastor, are you? Because it would be a lot to have two parents that are pastors. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I get that. I totally understand that. That would probably feel heavy. That would feel like a lot. And so I've carried that conversation in my mind and I've thought, you know, if it's too much for my primary flock for me to carry that title, it's all right with me if I don't carry that title among this flock. But over the last year and a half, two years, just the Lord's been doing some real soul work in my own life and just revealing kind of the plans that he has for me. And then also as an organization, you know, we've taken on these new campuses and they have no history with me. And so I think leadership was wise in saying to me, it's probably time to take on a title of your own so that when you and Ryan are speaking together or you're speaking on your own, it's very clear that you, you carry this title on your own. And so I'm grateful for leadership shoving me in that direction, but I still had this hang up and this is where this is just the sweetness of the spirit of the Lord. So I had to say, to him, you know, God, but I have this hang up because this conversation I had with one of my sons and, and I don't want to go forward with this unless I'm released from that. And I kid you not, this is exactly what happened. It was about one year ago, last summer, I'm driving to church and I just have that child in my car again and out of nowhere, and he has no idea we're inside of this discerning process. So out of nowhere, he says, hey mom, are you a pastor? Because if you're not, you should be. That's what you are. I'm like, all right then, all right then. Oh, there we go. Felt released. And I feel released into that calling. I, I also would just want to tell you just so sincerely, there is no other place that I would rather take on the title of pastor. I am so honored to be considered one of the pastors here at Hosanna Church. So thank you for supporting me and loving me and being patient with me as I grow. And I'm really honored to be among you. So I get to open the word of God with you today as my first legitimate day doing this with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna be in Galatians chapter five this morning. And the theme verse that Ryan already shared and is on the front of your program comes out of Galatians chapter five. And as he said, for the remaining weeks of our summer, we're gonna be looking at each one of the parts of the fruit of the spirit. We're gonna dig into peace and dig into joy and love and gentleness and all those things. But this week, we knew that we just wanted to lay the foundation, ask some more foundational questions about who is the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit work in our lives? Because what we are aware of is that in this church, at, at all of our campuses, you know, we have people who, who are all over the spectrum on your experience with the Holy Spirit, on your comfort with the Holy Spirit. There are people among us who, who grew up in churches um, that were all about the Holy Spirit. You know, it was all about the gifts of the Spirit, you know, speaking in tongues and prophecy and all those things. And so you guys are excited about that. And that is wonderful. And we will get there eventually as a church talking about those things. But like Ryan said, this is the foundation. How does the Spirit work in our lives? How does the spirit shape our character? And so if you're from that end of the spectrum, allow this part to kind of press into you um, in this coming summer. But then we also know that there are people who attend this church who are like, Holy Spirit, who? Like, are you talking about a ghost? What is this stuff? This is crazy. I'm a little bit spooked. You know, or maybe you grew up in a tradition that basically, you know, maybe prayed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but you didn't really ever talk about the Holy Spirit or um, allow that to be an active part of your life. And so we've got people all over the spectrum. And Paul, who wrote this book, which was originally a letter, the, the letter that he wrote to the people who lived in the city of Galatia, 
there were people all over the spectrum with, with their experience with the Holy Spirit. And he spoke about the Holy Spirit to them in Galatians chapter five. And so we're gonna use this kind of as our roadmap to talk about the Spirit. And I would just remind you that this is a letter that he wrote to real people who lived in a real city, the city of Galatia, and he had spent time with them, Paul had spent time with them, declaring the gospel to them, telling them about who Jesus is. He died, he was raised from the dead, and when he raised from the dead, he left his spirit. This is just the greatest mystery that's ever occurred and can ever be declared, but it's true that the spirit of Christ has been left as a deposit inside the hearts of every single person who believes in his name. Jesus promised that would happen when he lived on earth. He said, when I go, I'm going to leave my spirit as a deposit in each of your hearts to guide you, to counsel you, to continue to show you how to become more and more and more like Jesus. That's our mission around here, to become more and more like Jesus. It happens by the spirit of God. But when Paul was talking to these people, they were kind of um, falling into two camps that he had to address and say, it's not either of these, it's the way of the spirit. The first people he would have spent a lot of time talking to were religious people. In that day, it was the Jews and he came out of that faith. And so he knew very well what it was to be a rule follower, to try to follow all the rules to to get your way to God, right? So he comes to those people and he says, it's not about the rules anymore. It's not about the rules. All the rules can be boiled down into two, love God, love people. Love God, love people. Pastor Bill Boleyn was with us last week, our founding pastor, and he shared this message. He said, this is the meaning of life. And he reminded us, the meaning of life is quite simple, actually. Love God, love people. And it's not about following the rules. It's about living out of a relationship with the spirit of God inside of our lives. So he spoke that into people. And then there were the people that he would have spoken to in Galatia and elsewhere that didn't have a religious background. And so they weren't all about following religion and following rules. They were just all about following their own way. It's my way. It's my rights. It's my truth. It's my desires. It's my needs. All these things. So he he spoke to them too. And he said, no, that's not the way to freedom. Both of those paths, they trick you into thinking that they're taking you to freedom. But neither of them actually take you to freedom. Neither of them actually take you to joy. He says the only way there, the only way to love God, love people, is to have the spirit of God alive in your lives. So he preached that to them. But then he left. He always would then have to leave the city and go preach in another city. And then he would hear rumors that they were forgetting. The people in Galatia were forgetting the primary things that he taught them about the spirit of God. So he pens this letter. He says, I gotta remind you of some things. And we forget too. You know, we're just prone to forgetting. Ryan and I are parents of of three kids right now. I swear we spend 90% of our verbal output just reminding them of things we've already told them, right? Rinse your toothbrush after you're done brushing your teeth so it doesn't become a hard rock, you know, the next day. Uh, Hang up your bathing suit when it's all wet so it doesn't become a moldy pile on the floor. Wear sunscreen. You know, all the things we tell them over and over and over and over again, but they forget, they forget. We are forgetting people. And so Paul is reminding, he's, he's writing to people who have forgotten about the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I think that we forget about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I forget, I forget. And so I need to be reminded. And so we're gonna pick this up in, in chapter five, verse 16. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter on your own this week, but we're gonna pick it up under the heading, living by the Spirit's power. And this is what he says to them. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the spirit wants for you. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So these two forces are constantly fighting each other. 
So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. What is he saying here? I, I, I love Paul's authenticity in talking about the struggle and talking about the internal fight that happens within you and I and within the early church too. That there's this way I wanna live, there's this way I want to be. You know, as we read the fruit of the Spirit together, I mean, each of those words, like, yes, I want more patience. I need more kindness. I would love more gentleness, more peace, more peace. Those are the things that we want. But we have this battle that just rages within us and keeps pulling us back to the old way of doing things, the old way of responding out of our sinful self. He says that battle is real and we all experience it, but he gives us the key to it. He says, this is how that battle is overcome. That first verse that we read. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And I love that metaphor of of there being a guide for our lives. Follow me, follow me. And this is actually better translated. This is the New Living Translation that says guide your lives. But how that word is actually directly translated is the word walk. It's the same word that's used when Jesus walks on water or the disciples walk to another town. It's the word walk. And so what this is actually saying is the way to overcome this battle within you is go on a walk with the Spirit. Go on a walk with the spirit of God. When you're feeling that battle inside of you, walk it out step by step with the spirit. And he's gonna tell us more about how to do that. But first he goes into this really helpful, I think, contrast of what it looks like to walk with our selfish nature, to walk with our flesh and the way to walk with the spirit. It's a really specific list and Ryan's gonna take us through that now. Yes. You know, the the phrase that these two forces are constantly fighting each other. The nature and the spirit, our flesh and the spirit. Maybe there aren't too many, there probably aren't too many verses in the Bible that we can relate to more than that, that battle, that wrestling match in our lives. We can all relate to that. Father's Day, uh, we do this from time to time. Uh, the boys and, and I, we like to wrestle. We have wrestling matches on our, ma- our bed in the master bedroom and Jen just goes somewhere else safe. And so we, we have this wrestling match and we wrestle until someone gets hurt. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> And this time it was me uh, that got hurt. Uh, but, but that wrestling between the flesh and the spirit, and if the flesh wins, someone will get hurt, and it usually will be us. And Paul wants to, to make that really clear to us. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, uh, the Greek word for sin, sinful nature there is sarx, S-A-R-X. It, it's, it means flesh. It means our animal nature. These animalistic impulses inside of us are carnal cravings that incite sin in our lives. There's this sarks, which then leads to the results are very clear. That word very clear is literally translated. The results are made manifest. They're put under a microscope or they they strike our eyes like in a blinding way, the results. Mm -hmm. Think about being in a dark theater and then walking out into the light. Just blind us, the results. And then he goes on to list the results or the fruit of the flesh. We have the fruit of the spirit, but here's the fruit of the flesh. And as I read through these, what resonates with you? Where do you see this fruit in your life? Or where do you see this fruit in the world? We've thought about this in our lives too. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
almost feels like it should be prefaced, next week on The Bachelor, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. I'm not recommending it. But how's that for a bowl of fruit right there? Fruit of the flesh. It's like moldy fruit or spoiled fruit. Now, Paul goes on to say, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's Paul doing here? He's not necessarily condemning or chastising them and us now. He's calling people out. He's calling them out. He's calling them up to a higher life, a greater life, higher ground, beyond the fruit of the flesh kind of life to a fruitful life, fruit of the spirit kind of life. He's saying if you're living out of your flesh and those, that anim, animal nature, you are missing out on this fruitful, abundant life that God has for you. And yet the struggle is real. The wrestling match is real. And yeah. it's so real and we want to be open with you about how it's real in our lives and how it's been real in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so Jen's yeah. gonna start. Yeah, if you've been around Hosanna for any amount of time, I hope that you get a sense that as pastors, we are really committed to just bringing our real lives before you, authentically, that we wouldn't stand up here as experts who have this all figured out, what's the matter with you, but instead would say this is how this plays out in our lives, and particularly when we preach together. We just feel like it's always helpful for us to bring our marriage before you, just to put it out in front and say this is, this is how this has lived in our marriage. And so we will have been married 19 years this coming July. And most of those years, you don't need to clap. No, it's yeah. okay. Clap for 20. The big okay, one clap nine. for 20. The big one, <laughs> the nine. Big one nine. What are you going to get me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, write that down. But <laughs> some of those years uh, were really, really hard. Some of our marriage years were really, really hard. You know, Ryan and I are both firstborns. So enough said, right? Yeah. Like... <laughs> It's tough when you're both always right, but about different things. So, um, you know, we have battle of the wills. We're both very stubborn. Uh, neither of us likes to follow. We both like to lead. So this, you know, obviously could, it, it lends itself to a, a lot of conflict. And we have had a fair amount of conflict in our lives. And, and I think that the two pitfalls that we've fallen into are the ones that Paul addresses with the people. That there's, there's the pitfall of going after the law, making it all about the rules, But the thing about the rules in religion and in marriage is that you're rarely holding yourself to them. You're usually holding your partner to them. So there's this list of rules. These are the list of things that you should be doing and you are not, that you should be and that you are not fulfilling in my life. And so it's a lot of finger pointing. It's a lot of blaming. The reason things aren't good is because of you. And there's rules that you're breaking and that you need to do something about. And we've done that. We've done that. And then there's also just the, the list of the sinful self, uh, the, the fruit of the flesh that we have lived in our marriage. And I just would put some of this out there just authentically. I, I went through this list of the fruit of the flesh and I just underlined ones that we have lived with in our marriage. This is not easy to talk about, but it's true. We have lived, I underlined with hostility. There have been seasons of our marriage that have had a lot of hostility in it. I tend to be kind of the silent, simmering punishing, avoiding hostility. Nasty. Nasty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's my jam. Uh, Ryan (laughs) tends to be more of the louder kind of pursuing 
hostility, right? And both have their darkness. Both have their darkness. Um, quarreling. I love that word because that's not all out like fighting. That's just like the bickering. It's just the bickering. You know, it's just the noise, the noise of the bickering about the stupidest things that we can just quarrel about in marriage. And we've had seasons of that. Uh, outbursts of anger. I underline that one. And this one's not easy to talk about, but we have had seasons of our marriage where there have been outbursts of anger. Mm-hmm. Just straight up. That has happened from both of us. Different reasons. Um, but it always sounds like I need to yell louder and get madder that you are not doing enough for me, that you are not you know, measuring up. I, you are not meeting my desires. You're not meeting my wants. It's all about you. And I need to yell louder about it and get super mad about it. And man, outbursts of anger, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm certain that there is nothing that damage, damages the fabric of a marriage more than outbursts of anger. That's happened in our marriage. They can take months and even years to recover from because you have, you have messed with the fabric. The trust between you has really been damaged by those outbursts of anger. So we've dealt with those in our marriage. Uh, other things, you know, division, of selfish ambition. I think that often what has gotten us sideways is uh, desiring our own selfish ambitions that often go in the other way instead of really coming to a mutual serving of one another. How can I serve your needs? So we have lived this. We still live this sometimes, particularly when we're tired, hungry, stressed, um, certainly, and, but definitely when we are not pressing into the Holy Spirit in our individual lives. You know, this is so easy. Marriage is so easy to say, you know, if you, you certainly need more of the Holy Spirit in your life, clearly, right? I mean, that's way easier to see. <laughs> but that doesn't get you anywhere at all in a marriage. Come on, somebody. It just doesn't. The only, the only question that I can ask is how do I need more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life? And when he is doing that and when I am doing that, I tell you, we have inherited the kingdom of God in our marriage. Mm-hmm. We have inherited the kingdom of God in our marriage. We have peace. We have love. We have joy. We have laughter. We have things that were not our natural bent. We have by the spirit of God working, working himself in our hearts and between us. That's the only way forward. Yeah. 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 And I'm really working on being a a better listener. And I think what I'm hearing you say is our marriage started to turn around when you owned all of your issues. Did I get that right? (laughs) Not, okay, I didn't quite get it all, but um, but the truthfully, truthfully, one of the most loving things uh, you ever did for me was 10, 12 years ago, somewhere in there, you gave me an ultimatum to deal with my anxiety-driven anger, yeah. and that was a huge breakthrough, and I'm so glad you did that, mm-hmm. as hard as it was. Uh, you know, there is a lot we could talk about in our marriage, and it's true, we see less and less of that fruit of the flesh and more and more fruit of the spirit, and I'm so grateful for that. Uh, but lest we lead you to believe that we never struggle with any of this anymore, just here's an example from last weekend. Uh, last weekend, we were off because it was Father's Day. Pastor Bill was preaching, our founding pastor, and uh, it's kind of funny, a year ago, he and I preached together, so someone saw me and said, hey, are you two preaching together and then again this year? And I said, I think you can... I think he can do it. He's ready. He's ready to do it on his own. So, uh, so he was preaching on his own. But we were free, and, and so that meant uh, we, we got to live the suburban dream and just be like every other family. Mm-hmm. And uh, the suburban dream, what does, that, what does that mean? It means a lot of baseball games, among other things, but we saw 10 baseball games in 48 hours. Do the math. How do you even do that? 
For our sons. For our sons, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't not like the, the twins or yeah, anything. Yeah, for just, our sons. Ten, just our kids. Our boys are in traveling baseball. So mm-hmm. we're there, and, uh, and what it didn't mean is that we, we, weren't, we weren't very connected to church. Uh, last weekend, we, we listened to Bill's sermon on the way from Prior Lake to Apple Valley. Uh, and I was watching the worship part of the service down the right field line. I don't know if people thought I was cheering or what, but you know, watching the, but that's about as connected to worship as we were. And not only that, we were so caught up in the baseball experience, getting up early and taking the boys to games and, and then, you know, the ups and downs and the strikeouts and the hits and, you know, we hadn't really pressed into the Lord and, and listened to the Lord last weekend and we hadn't sought the leading, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so where that left us was kind of living in the fruit of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Jen started dabbling in sorcery for one. <laughs> he hasn't said that at the other services. That's real funny. Actually, I did say that the last week. But anyway. Um, but sorry, actually, that word sorcery means experimenting with drugs and potions. And so that's a relevant thing in our world today. Uh, but, but I didn't. But our, yeah, Jen didn't. <laughs> to be clear. 10.45, you never know where this is going to go. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we did both have outbursts of anger at our kids last mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. And I know that's a direct result of not being led by the Spirit enough in our lives last weekend. Mm-hmm. And we had to apologize to our kids and repent of that. Mm-hmm. When you're led by the flesh, it's no wonder that the suburbs look a lot like The Bachelor, right? Mm-hmm. Because people aren't being led by the spirit. I'm not saying we shouldn't do any of that, you know, baseball, all this, but the question is, are we being guided by the spirit as we live that out? Or are we being guided by our flesh, our animal nature? And, and we should be led by the spirit. What's the saying? You know a tree by its fruit. You know life by its fruit as well. What is leading our lives? Where are we, who are we walking with, our flesh or the spirit? You'll see it in the fruit. If there's a lot of ambition and anger and bitterness and conflict, that kind of fruit, then we're being led by the flesh. That's the tree. And the fruit, if we're being led by the spirit, Paul says in verse 22 again, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. You'll know a tree by its fruit. So how do you live more this way? How do you live more guided by the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit is produced more and more in us, in our lives? Great question. Paul points us to two, two things that we can think about in terms of living this out more in our lives. And, and you just simply need to remember two C words Right? Crucified, crucify and cultivate. Paul's gonna show us those words here. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus, so if you said, have said yes to Jesus, I am a child of God, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature, the sarks, to his cross and crucified them there. So if you are in Christ, You've said yes to Jesus. You have said yes to this, that the sinful nature, the flesh, and all those results or the fruit of the flesh have been nailed to the cross with Jesus. Which means when when that fruit starts to bear itself in our lives, we can go, oh, we need to ask God to help us do this. We can go, nope, nope, that's been crucified. Mm -hmm. That's been killed. We almost are like crucifying again, nailing it to the cross. Say, nope, that was nailed to the cross. That anger, that hostility, that divisiveness, nailed to the cross when it's raised up in our lives. 
What if this week, as it starts the fruit, it will, the fruit of the flesh starts to bear itself in our lives. We go, nope, that's been crucified. Jesus said, it is finished. And it's a free gift to us. We just have to say yes. At Galatians 2.20, Paul says earlier, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ is living in you. The Holy Spirit's living in you, which means the fruit of the Spirit are already living in you that we can begin to cultivate. But it starts with remembering and even kind of killing or crucifying or drowning. That's what's happening in baptism. When we're baptized, we're drowning that old nature. has been killed. And a new life, a new creation is coming that we can cultivate in the Spirit. Yeah. Just thinking about it this way, that the, um, the work of God in our lives is a gift, you know? And so that first verse demonstrates the gift that it is. It's been crucified. It's done. But like any gift in our lives, it can sit on the table. It can just sit there and we can look at it or we can unwrap it every day. And that is what the next verse basically says in verse 25. It says, since we are living by the spirit, since we have this gift of the spirit inside of us, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. It's been given to us, but let us follow. Let us do something with it. And once again, that that. Um, verse is actually better translated, not so much let us follow the spirit, but let us walk. Let us walk it out. This gift that we've been given, let's go on a walk with it. Let's let it take us somewhere new. And that's where this word cultivate comes in. This is such a powerful word that I think we're gonna just be sitting with all summer long as we talk about the different fruit. You know, how do we cultivate peace, cultivate love? If you're a farmer, if you grew up as a farmer, you grew up on a farm, you know this, or if you're a gardener, that that word cultivate, you know, you cultivate the soil, you prepare the soil so that something can grow inside of it. You cultivate the life of a plant so that it flourishes. You know, if we all have the seed of the spirit living inside of us, it's something that needs to be cultivated, that needs to be nurtured that it might grow and bear fruit in our lives. And so in coming weeks, we'll talk about each of the specific fruit. I think it's gonna be so uh, practical and helpful to talk about how do we cultivate the tree, the plant of goodness, the plant of peace, all these things in our lives. But this week, as we think about how do I cultivate intentionally the work of the Holy Spirit in my life? We're all in different places with this. But what is such a powerful thing to think about, at least for me, as brain science continues to be discovered, and psychologists are talking about this, and there's, there's this whole line of, of, of discovery out there about how actually malleable our brains are. Like sometimes we behave as if we are stuck in our old ways of doing things, about going, doing it the same way that I've always done it, responding the same way I've always responded. But, the, but psychologists are talking about the neuroplasticity of the brain. You can literally rewire your brain so that you don't have to keep going back to the way you've always done things. And in this, we are offered, you can literally rewire not only your brain, but your spirit. It can be rewired. When you and I get to junctures, and you and I will over and over again this week, where we have the opportunity, where you know there's gonna be situations that present where we're gonna feel drawn to go back to the way I've always done it, to respond with anger. Maybe for you, it is sexual immorality. Maybe for you, it is a disunity. I don't know what is the path that it tends to take you, but at those junctures, we can say, nope, I am someone who has the spirit of Christ inside of me. I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna walk it out with the spirit instead. And as that is cultivated in our lives, it literally will change how we live. And so this week, think, nope, I'm going on a walk. I'm going on a walk with the Spirit of God instead. So good. Would you say these words after me? Only by the Spirit. Only by the Spirit. Everything we've talked about. 
today and what we will talk about in this series only happens by the Spirit, by the Spirit's presence in our lives. Just like Luther and that quote I mentioned earlier that we can't even believe without the Holy Spirit, which means if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. All the potential of what we've talked about is living inside of you, Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean that all of the Holy Spirit's potential has been released in you. And it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit has all of you yet. It means still needs to surrender some of your life to the Spirit. But, but all that you need is there. It's a free gift. And, and so we're going to take some time to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And this illustration has been helpful for me because all believers have the Holy Spirit. We had a, in our house in California, we had a 1950s wall heater with a pilot light. Remember these? Pilot light? They make this sound. And you turn it on, it was, you would fire up. All Christians have the pilot light of the Holy Spirit living in them. But God wants us to be fully fired up in our lives. All the fruit of the Spirit produced in our lives. Fully fired. And so we're gonna take some time to to receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe this is new for you. If you never received the Holy Spirit, it's very simple. Because it's a free gift. All you need to do is say yes. Yes, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. What will happen? Will it be weird? Just think about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. More of that in your life. Some of you have received the Holy Spirit, but if you're like me, you need a refill from time to time. And here's the good news. The Holy Spirit gives free refills. Did you know that? (laughs) And we all need that because the Spirit leaks. You know, we live, (laughs) go about our lives, and we need to be filled up. And Paul says in Ephesians 5, keep on being filled. It's a daily thing. Keep on being filled by the Holy Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit might be produced. We're gonna take some time to let the Holy Spirit come into our lives, into our hearts right now. One of, the, one of the most powerful things that we... My microphone's not on anymore. Should I talk into yours? Yeah. Well, that's gonna be so awkward. Is my own, is it working now? Yeah. Oh, good, phew, okay. Guys, wouldn't that have been hilarious? Okay. Back on point, back on point. Um, one of the most powerful things that we do together as a church is we worship, we sing. And sometimes I think that we wonder, why are, why are we doing this? Why do we sing? Um, But definitely when we get to the end of a service, when we are singing about something, what that allows is that you wouldn't just receive information. You didn't come to church for information. I think you came to church for transformation. And the way that that happens is that we have to have information move from our head to our mouths and sink deeply into our souls. And one of the best ways to do that is to sing, to have something become a prayer that we are all singing together. And so we are gonna close with a song that you have probably sung many times if you've been around here. It's the the song, Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. And I have led that song many times as a worship leader and I've sung it when I'm out sitting where you are. And I usually, when I sing that, I sing, Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. And I'm picturing more like inside of this church, inside of this place. But as we sing this prayer together today, we wanna remember that the first invitation for the Holy Spirit begins right here. Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here. Come flood this place. Fill the atmosphere of my heart. And then it becomes the prayer, make me more aware of your presence, Lord. And that really is the prayer, that this week, in this moment, make me more aware of what it looks like to walk with you instead of to walk the ways that I've been walking in my flesh. So we're gonna sing that prayer together in just a moment. The worship leaders will come and lead us in this prayer. But first, let me just say a word of prayer on our behalf. Holy Spirit, you are indeed welcome here in this church and inside the hearts of every believer that make up this church. 
We don't wanna do anything else without you. It is by your spirit that we become everything that you have called and created us to be. So we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and make us more like you in this moment, day by day. We pray for the tree of your spirit to flourish inside the hearts of every believer. We ask it in Jesus' name.